Hello everyone and welcome back to Happy Human Club. I'm Soph Mosca. I'm the host of this podcast and today we have a co-host. It's Mr. Augie Man. He likes to sit on my lap as I'm sitting at my desk. So unfortunately we don't have the option, but I know that if you guys are watching on YouTube, you will not have a problem with Augie joining us today. And if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, or Apple Podcast, if you hear any weird mouth noises, just know it's coming from the cute little pop I have on my lap and not from me, okay? Okay. <laughs> now that that is addressed, I don't know why this dog is shaking like he's so cold, like it's actually hot in my house right now. But anyways, um, that's what I get for getting a dog with no fur. Oh, wait, also guys, I feel so bad the past like four days it stormed so bad in LA like it was like downpouring 24 7 literally for like three or four days straight and like it wasn't a drizzle it was like downpour it's actually really bad a lot of people like a lot of people's roofs leaked actually I'm gonna tell you guys a crazy story but a lot of people's roofs leaked and a lot of people had flooding so my heart goes out to anyone who was affected by that I technically lucked out which was great but listen to this story so the first night of the rain when it got really really bad it was about like 9 30 i was laying in bed and all of a sudden a fire alarm starts going off and it's like very loud in my bedroom but so at first i'm like wait is that my alarm so i like I listen closely and it sounds like it's at very least not my upstairs fire alarm. So I was like, maybe just my downstairs fire alarms going off. So I go downstairs. It's not mine. But if you guys have been watching the vlogs, I have a house nearby. We can't figure out what house it's coming from, but there's a house nearby that has like a fire alarm or like carbon monoxide detector or something that like needs a battery change. And literally every few seconds it goes like, beep beep and I like noticed it I think it's been going on since I moved in but I noticed it and now I can't unhear it and it drives me actually insane and I thought it was coming from my next door neighbor and my landlord like it's the same landlord for my house as my next door neighbor oh Augie just left us but I thought it was my next door neighbor but the landlord went over and it's not coming from inside that house and so he thinks he figures out figured out where it came from but he goes and knocks on the door like every once in a while and no one ever answers the door so we like can't stop that from happening as of right now but when that fire alarm was going off i was like is it the house next door maybe or i was like i wonder if it's the house nearby that has like the faulty whatever maybe it's like going off off now but i was like wait let me see if it's my next door neighbor first so i go walk over and it's like mind you it's like raining it's like now it's like 10 o'clock at night because i waited like 30 minutes because at first i just assumed it was my neighbor and the you know they were cooking and their fire alarm went off whatever but it was on for like literally 30 minutes so well hold on before i went over i texted my landlord and i was like hey like do you know if anyone's like in the house next door because their alarm's been going off for like 30 minutes and he wasn't answering i waited like another 30 minutes so it's been like an hour of this alarm going off and i start to kind of panic because i'm like i like what if there's an actual fire like i i just i don't know i started to like get in my head and then i was like their house is literally right next to mine if they have a fire like it could affect my house like i'm kind of scared so i was like you know what i'm gonna go over so i walk over in the rain and i 
knock on the door and no one's there. And I'm like, okay, literally no one's home. That's even worse because if that's like, it sounded like a fire alarm, but I was like, if that's the carbon monoxide detector, like that's really bad too. Like it just, I was like, but if it's the fire alarm, like also it could be a legit fire in the house. Like I, and no one's home. I need to do something. So I go back inside and I was like, I don't know, like, I'm not going to call 911 because there's like not any like pressing emergency, but I was like, I guess I'll call the fire department because my landlord wasn't answering. And so I called the fire department and I was like, I'm not sure that it's coming from the house next to me because like, I don't know. It was really loud outside, but like, it didn't seem like it got louder at their front door. So I was just like, I don't know where it's coming from exactly. And because of that other beep noise that I hear all the time, I was like, maybe it's not like that house and maybe it's the same house that's like doing the beep so I was like I'm not totally sure which house it's coming from but I think it's my next door neighbor and so the police I mean the fire department came out and they like knock on my door and they're like no one's home um but the door was unlocked so we went in and like their roof is leaking into their house which is like triggering the fire alarm but they said something about like they couldn't shut the fire alarms off because there was like no power to the house or something like that. Like no one lives there. I think it's like a rental. And so no one lives there, lives there. So like the power was off and like the roof was leaking, causing the fire alarms to get set off. But like because of that, they couldn't, I don't know. For some reason they couldn't like permanently shut the alarms off. And they were just kind of like, uh, sorry, like, it's my, you know, with the weather, you know, whatever. And so finally they leave and I get in contact with my landlord and it's been like two hours at this point. And he's like, okay, I'm going to come over whatever. Long story short. Yeah. The neighbor had some flooding, but the alarm was going on and off literally from like 9 30 until like honestly, probably like 10 a.m. the next morning. Cause I think at some point my landlord left that house and then came back in the morning and then he texted me and he was like, I just removed the fire alarms completely. Like, let me know if you personally have any issues or anything like that. And I was like, wow, I just am very (laughs) feeling very grateful that my roof didn't leak and whatever, but it was just this crazy thing. And I've never had to call the fire department before. I've had to call 911 before, but not the fire department. So that was just a random crazy story but yeah it was like bonkers like everyone was having issues i know there was a lot of like roads flooding i personally didn't have any roads near me flood but i definitely heard there was a lot going on but it's also so funny because it's like it's just crazy how the way that like a place is prepared for weather determines like how the weather will like impact like in florida we get rain like that all the time and it's like I mean, yeah, I guess there is flooding, like flooding is an issue, but like it rains like that all the time. And I feel like only once in a while there's like the flooding. It's like when it's like really, really, really severe, but like downpouring for a few days, like I feel like that happens in Florida all the time. And it's just like another day. And it's just crazy how like here when it rains, like it really is not good. Like people's roofs leak and there's like major floods and like everyone's house is flooding in that because like things just like aren't made for that and it's like how in like texas or whatever when they like got that snowstorm and everyone's power went out everyone's pipes froze and whatever because like their 
houses aren't like prepared for that but like in new hampshire like that's all winter long and you know it's like it's just another day so it's just funny not funny but it's just crazy how like that works because in my head people because like i hear oh it's gonna rain all weekend long like be prepared whatever and i'm like it's literally rain like what but then you see like everyone's losing power i didn't lose power either which is great knock on wood um but yeah everyone's losing power everyone's having flooding in their house roads are flooding like roofs are leaking it's just crazy my friend michaela had her roof leak and my friend sophie had the roof in her pilates studio leak so craziness but that's over the sun is out today for the first time in so long it feels and i didn't like get dress dressed like i'm literally wearing sweatpants but literally the past few days all i've been wearing is like just like a crew neck and sweatpants like have not gotten dressed for the day so it feels good to be dressed also i've finally been back on my reading grind yay i've been wanting to get back to it and just like haven't it's so hard to get back into reading but then once you're in the rhythm it's like super easy i feel like to stay in the rhythm as long as you don't get a book that's like not your favorite i feel like that really throws people off but i finally finished vicious um probably like a week and a half ago week ago maybe and not my favorite book ever i think i gave it like three stars on goodreads which by the way i always have my goodreads linked in the description of this episode on youtube and on like spotify and whatever um I finished Vicious. I've literally been reading that since December and it took me so long because I was reading it before Vlogmas and then I didn't read at all, all throughout Vlogmas and then didn't pick it back up again until like a little, like a few days ago, a couple weeks ago. And then I finished. Just wasn't my vibe. I think it's considered Dark Academia or something like that. It was like a good book, but I think I said this in a vlog. It almost felt like it was like above my reading level which is crazy to say because I consider myself a very literate person and I think I'm very intelligent. I have a bachelor's degree. Like I've, I had a 3.9 in college. Like I consider myself very intelligent, but I was getting like very lost in this book. And there was just a lot of like, it felt like unsaid things that I just was not picking up on. And I understood what was going on. But at the same time, I was just like, it's, it was just so far-fetched that I just couldn't, I just couldn't get behind it. I'm also like not a action or like sci-fi fan or anything like that. And it felt like a, like that type of vibe. And like, I love a good thriller. I love a good mystery. And I, I can do like weird, like I can do paranormal, like that's fine. But I don't know. It was just like not my cup of tea. I also like really disliked both of the main characters, which was like tough because you want to like, enjoy the narrative but i just like the both the main characters were just like like so ick to me and it was just like a hard read honestly um but i can see how someone would really enjoy that book so because of that i don't not recommend it it just wasn't my cup of tea and so for that i gave it like a three out of five but i also read the book almond and almond I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it was translated into English. And I have learned that I really enjoy books that are translated specifically from Asian cultures because the way that it's written, like you can tell it's not an American writing it. Or even like you can tell that it's not an English speaker um, writing it. And 
It's so beautiful. It reminded me a lot of Before the Coffee Gets Cold, which is a book I read a few months back. And it wasn't really like there was no thrill. There was no necessary like, like there wasn't necessarily like a, a climax per se, but it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story about, well, I don't want to ruin it, but a quick synopsis that you could literally get from a summary of it is just like, there's this boy and he has a certain condition with his brain that prevents him from feeling emotion. And it's just this beautiful story of like him exploring life um, and navigating that disorder. And it's about like love and friendship. And I sobbed for the last like 10 pages, like actually such a beautiful ending. Like I, it made me bawl my eyes out and it's very rare for books to actually make me cry. So yeah, to say it was a good book, is an understatement. I gave it five stars on Goodreads. Just so beautiful. And I love reading books that have been translated because I find that I like learn new like metaphors or just like like sayings. Like for this is just like a random example because I was saying this to my friend Michaela too, but I was like, I like really liked at one point the author said that a man um like dropped his shoulders like a shrimp instead of saying like he slouched and I was like that's such like a good I don't know it just like I felt like my vocabulary was being expanded and yeah I just really really enjoyed that book so highly 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 recommend that if you guys are looking it's also short so maybe if you need a book to like kick off your reading journey again or I don't know if I would start with it just because it's not like a super thrilling exciting book like I would start with like a thriller like Verity or Housemaid or um, The Only One Left or something. Like I would start with one of those that's like really like getting you hooked. But if you want to get into reading or you want to get back on your reading journey, you want just like a quick read that's like a really beautiful story, highly recommend Almond. And I'm now finally reading um, None of This Was True by Lisa Jewell. And I'm cruising through it. I'm already like hundred something pages in and I started it like two days ago and for me that's reading really fast so I'm really enjoying it so far but that's my journey with reading but anywho today I am going to be reading things that you guys wanted to get off your chest so I went on my Instagram story and I just left a question box and I just said tell me what's on your mind and that I was going to be sharing some of these on my podcast anonymously. So I screenshotted a few and I did screenshot these myself, but it was a few days ago and I haven't like put thought into uh, like what I was going to say or anything. So this is just going to be my real honest advice to these and we'll see how many we can get through. So the first thing someone left is I'm struggling to say I love you to my girlfriend because of my last relationship. Help. So I feel like every single person has their first love, you know, like whether it be, you know, someone you dated in high school or maybe it was someone even from childhood where you like, you just like were hooked on that person for so many years and you feel like that was like, that was my first love. 
or maybe you are much older. Maybe you're in your 20s, 30s. Like maybe you even are much older. I don't think my audience is like too, too much older than me, but maybe if you're in your 30s or your 40s, you, you know, went through a marriage and then that marriage didn't work out and then you met someone and you're like, oh my God, this is love. Like I was never in love. Maybe your love is a lot later in life, but I feel like everyone has their first love and when you have that it all feels very easy because it almost feels like you're like like you know the saying ignorance is bliss like it's like you don't well I guess this doesn't apply if you've like been through a divorce and you see how things don't work out but I guess it more applies to like your very very first like first time you're really saying I love you to someone and like meaning it in most scenarios at least and you know you have that first moment and it's just like it's so blissful it's so ignorant in the best way possible and it's like nothing can go wrong everything is untouchable like your relationship is is perfection it's everything you've ever wanted like you have rose-colored lenses they can do no wrong you're just so deeply enthralled with this person and with this relationship and it all just comes so easy and i feel like a lot of times when that doesn't work out you meet this new person and maybe you are so obsessed with them. Maybe they are awesome. Maybe they give you everything and more and you just like can't get yourself to, you know, like either accept that you're in love or maybe it's hard for you to like feel it again. And I think there's a lot of different reasons why you maybe are having a hard time saying I love you. Like whether it be it doesn't feel the same as the first love, right? Because I feel like every time you fall in love, which I personally believe can be a million times in your life, I don't think that there's a limit to how many times you can fall in love. And, you know, maybe you're like comparing it to past loves and you're like, it doesn't feel the same. And so you think like, I must not be in love with them because it doesn't feel like this. Like doesn't feel like how it used to. But that's not true. Just because the way you love someone is different than the way you've loved someone before doesn't mean that you don't love them or maybe you do love them you know you love them that you know that you like you recognize that what you're feeling towards them is love and maybe you didn't feel that before maybe you did and you're feeling it again and there's this like block that doesn't allow you to let them in and tell them the truth about how you're feeling and how deep your feelings are for them because you're afraid because i'm assuming you know if you're scared from your last relationship That means you're probably, you know, looking back being like, well, that ended and that really hurt and that was a lot of pain. I don't ever want to be put through that again. And whether that's subconscious or you're fully aware or whatever it is, there's like this mental block. And I think no matter what the case is, if you're saying I love you to someone for a second time, like it's not the first time you've said it to someone, or at least it's not the second or not the first time you've said it and meant it. It can be really, really challenging, but like, I would, I just want to reiterate, like you can fall in love a million times and also like you can love in very different ways. Maybe after that first love, you will never be able to feel ignorantly, blissfully in love again, but that is okay. That doesn't mean that you can't fall in love again. That doesn't mean that you aren't in love again. It's just different. And love in different stages of your life is going to feel different. It's going to present different. It's going to show up different. And it's up for you or it's up to you to welcome it in and let it in regardless of how scared you are, regardless of how it may end. 
you will never know. You can never predict the future and you can't stop yourself from loving a person and being open about how you feel towards that person just because of you're scared from the past or you're scared of the future. If you feel like you love someone, tell them. But at the same time, if you are having a hard time and your gut is like, I don't think I do love them, that's okay, but that's something you have to accept and you need to be self-aware enough to bring that to the table and realize like if you are not in love with them and you feel like maybe they're falling more for you than you are for them, it's up to you to leave and not drag it on when you know, you're know you not fully in it. Because the longer you're with someone, in most cases, the deeper you fall for them. And if you are unsure, it is not fair to the person to just continue being with them just because you're like, well, maybe, well, maybe, like I really like them, but I don't know if I like them as much as they like me or I don't know if I'm in love with them. That is on you to be honest with yourself and with them and make the right decision for the both of you because the power is in your hands. They are probably in love with you if you're having this, if you're like worrying about this, like it kind of sounds like maybe they said it to you or whatever and you're having a hard time, like if you're unsure or maybe even this is kind of your sign that you're not ready for another relationship or you're not ready to say I love you, you need to be honest with yourself and step away and figure out what you want and what you need and where you are healing wise and where you are with your heart and with your intentions and you need to step away from the person to do so because the worst thing you can do is drag someone along just because you're unsure or because you can't you are not ready to come to terms with the fact that you do love them you know what i mean so that i say is my advice on that the next one is i really hate having type 1 diabetes it's going to be three years since my diagnosis and i still struggle I had to pick this one because as a fellow type 1 diabetic, like, I understand. I personally don't think it ever gets easier. It just gets more intertwined in your life. So you're a year ahead of me. I'm going to be hitting my two years since diagnosis this year. And it hasn't gotten easier mentally. But at the same time, it's gotten easier management-wise because while I think it's really hard to cope with the reality of it and with the severity of it and with the challenges that come along with it, I think time does bring knowledge. And, you know, I think back to like when I was first diagnosed, I had no idea what the heck I was doing, even though I thought I did. And now I can look at a piece of bread and be like, 40 carbs. You know what I mean? Like you just learn so much or, you know, I'll be like, well, I'm eating pizza and I know that that's going to spike me now and later. And I also know that I'm going to be walking about a mile after I eat this. So I'm not going to take too much up front. I'm going to walk. And as I see my blood sugar start to rise, I'm going to take another bolus of insulin to cover the rise that's delayed from the fat in the pizza. You know, that's something that I've, and that's knowledge that I've gained through living 
almost two years with type 1 diabetes. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Your knowledge, without a doubt, is much higher now, three years post-diagnosis, than it was three years ago when you were first diagnosed. But that doesn't change that, you know, mentally, it's like still day one. And I think, honestly, all of us that have type 1 diabetes really are stuck mentally and emotionally at diagnosis. I think it doesn't help that the majority of people who are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes have like very, very tragic and traumatizing diagnoses or diagnosis stories. And a lot of us find out when, you know, we're in what I've been lately calling late stage undiagnosed diabetes, where we are, we are ill. We are on our deathbed. We are seriously close to coma or death. And we find out at that point. And, you know, it's a lot different than we go in for a routine doctor's appointment and they're like, your blood sugar is a little high. Let's keep an eye on this for a few years. And then it slowly develops. Like some of us do find out like that, but a lot of us find out we have type 1 diabetes in very abrupt and scary ways. And I think because of that, a lot of us have a very, very hard time coping. And assuming you're around my age, somewhere near, um, if you were only diagnosed, sorry, let me mute this. If you were only diagnosed, you know, three years ago, you were probably a teenager or adult and you lived a lot of years without type 1 diabetes and you were a whole person and now you have to re-identify as someone with a chronic illness that you will have for the rest of your life, assuming there's no cure because that's like a whole thing. There's been a cure on the horizon for 15 years, you know, but it never gets there. Um, So, you know, we all just assume and, you know, obviously we hope there'll be a cure, but, you know, you can only, you don't want to get your hopes up, especially with something like this. And so we all just live like we have this for the rest of our life and it's every day, 24-7. You don't get a break when you sleep. You don't get a break on your birthday, on your wedding day, on your graduation day on a hard day, like you don't get a break ever. You can't take a minute. You can't take an hour, a second. It's always there. It's always something you have to maneuver. And it's so incredibly overwhelming. And it's one of those things where as like as much as someone can understand how diabetes works in terms of, you know, the science of it, and the daily routine of it, they will never, ever, ever, ever be able to understand the mental handicap it is and the mental strain it is for an emotional strain too on type 1 diabetics day in and day out. And it's one of those things that's just like, no matter what, it's there and it's heavy. And it's like this, like hardship or this like roadblock that no matter what you do it cannot go away and it's so heavy and people can be there to support you and they can you know help you out they can buy you low snacks and storm out their house they can check on you and they can you know do this and that and help you with like the day-to-day stuff but genuinely like there is in my opinion no way for anyone to carry 
or help carry the mental burden of it? Does it help when someone's there physically in real life helping you with like the day-to-day tasks or like listening to you complain or supporting you in every way possible? Like, does it help? 100%, but it never makes it completely okay. And so it makes sense that you are struggling. It makes sense that three years later, it's still so hard. And I think honestly, it will be hard forever. And maybe that sounds daunting and maybe that sounds overwhelming. And I get it because I feel the same way. But at the same time, it's almost like it's so inescapable and it's so inevitable that you kind of just have to accept like, yeah, this does suck. And that's something that I've sort of done recently because for the first, I would say year after my diagnosis, I was very much like, no, it's fine. Like everything's fine. I'm living my life as normal. I can do everything I want to do. I'm not going to let it control me. I'm not going to let it stop me. Like it's fine. It's really not a big deal. Like I have to take care of myself, but it's not a big deal. And you know, I needed that mindset right after diagnosis. I did to get me through, but now I've realized I can accept that it sucks. I can accept that it is the worst thing to ever happen to me. I can accept that although I can still do everything that I've wanted to do in life, it ruined my life. It ruined my joy. It ruined my, like, again, with the topic of ignorance, like it ruined my ignorance. It took my health from me. It took my confidence away from me. It took almost like my independence away from me. It took my life away from me. It took my control away from me. It took everything from me. And I'm learning that it's okay to admit that and it's okay to be angry and to be sad and to hate that it's, you know, the reality of it and to feel like it's unfair and to spend days crying and wallowing about it. Like that is okay. But at the end of the day, we are stuck with it. And our only option is to get up and to live with it. Because if we don't, like, I mean, then we don't. And that's the end. And eventually, you know, we succumb to the illness. And that's always the option. There's always the option to succumb and let it take you down. And it will. It will take you down if you don't take care of yourself. And you don't get up every day and do the day-to-day things to manage it. And, you know, over time, it will take a toll on your body. It's facts. It's science. We have great technology and great medicine that makes our lives a lot better and our prognosis a lot greater. But at the end of the day, it's type 1 diabetes and it's taking a toll on our body. That is the reality of it. It's the science of it. The more we live with it, the harder it's going to get physically. So we might as well take every ounce of health we have every day and live as normally as we can with the acceptance that you know that this is this is what it is and it sucks but we have no choice and i think also something that you know is really important is finding community and it doesn't have to be you know in real life i think you putting this in my question box as a type 1 diabetic myself, you are finding your community. You follow me online. You are following someone who lives like you, who understands the struggles like you. 
and that's you finding your community. I do the same thing. If I see someone that's a type 1 diabetic online, I am following them. Like, if I see them wearing an Omnipod, immediate follow, you know, like Dexcom. Actually, Dexcom, I I have to question because some people wear CGMs for like fitness reasons, which really takes me off. But anyways, if I see someone wearing an insulin pump, immediate follow. Like just because it's like when that when their stuff comes up on my page, like on my feed and whatever, it's just like this sense of like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, thank God. And I think that's super helpful. Just finding the community. And if there's anything in person you can attend where you can be around type 1 diabetics, it is the most therapeutic thing ever. A few months ago, I went to New York City um, for an event with the One Pledge and um, Sanofi, and I was surrounded by a bunch of type 1 diabetics of all ages, and it was so healing to have every other person with the same beeps, the same struggles, the same, you know, we're all, we, we're all at the buffet and we're all looking and all we're seeing is carbs. None of us are like, hmm, what sounds good? We're all looking at it like, how many carbs does this have? How many carbs does that have? All of us have the same thought process and it was just very, very healing. So if you're, sorry, I don't know why, I literally muted my computer and it's still... Okay. Anyways. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really healing to be surrounded by other type one diabetics in whatever way is accessible to you, whether it's online or it's in person, just find that sense of community. And I think that will really, really help. Next one is I need to stop making excuses and go back to therapy. Just fucking go. Yeah, literally just fucking go. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why people, choose to not go to therapy you know a big one is you have to face your feelings you have to talk about your feelings and a lot of people don't want to do that um and i think another huge one is obviously the money that it costs some therapists do take insurance some insurances do offer in practice providers for therapy some insurances don't and some therapists don't, which makes it really difficult because, well, one, if you don't have insurance at all, you have to pay out of pocket. Um, and for some people, it's just genuinely not accessible. So, you know, if money is the, the roadblock there for you, it's frustrating because it's almost like, even if you feel ready to talk and everything, it's still not there ready for you. And I think, or it is there ready for you, but you're not able to, like it's not accessible to you. I think a really great second best is getting a journal and sticking to writing in it every single day. I write in my journal every single night and I do not skip a night no matter what even if it's a sentence, I write in it and it is the one place I can go. I'm in therapy, but I still feel like my journal is the one place I can go and there is not one little bit of filter in there. It is the most disorganized thought, word vomit, like crazy train of thought bouncing from here to there, bouncing from 
you know, the deepest, darkest of my brain to, oh, by the way, like I got a new candle today. It smells really good. Literally one sentence after another, completely unrelated, just anything I'm thinking I write down. And so I think if therapy is not accessible to you for whatever reason, get yourself a journal and just write in it every day, every single day. I don't care if you literally write today fucking sucks. I hate my life and then close it. That's fine. Just every day, write in it, write whatever the hell is on your mind. Just write it. It can be like, oh my God, I tried this new cheese today. It was so good. Whatever you want it to be. I think that is a really great second best. And honestly, for some people, maybe even better than therapy because, you know, maybe you're just not ready to talk to someone, but you are ready to get things off your chest and just writing them is so healing and so important so i do think that that's a really great option i just wanted to touch on that before i like go preaching about therapy because i like recognize it's not accessible to honestly a lot of people but anyways if you do have it accessible to you or you you know decide that it's something that you want to invest in or whatever the case may be yeah you should go to fucking therapy I don't care if you if you think you've had like the best life ever. I don't care if you grew up super wealthy with you, you think you had like a super healthy family, healthy relationship. You've always been in good health. You find yourself very happy. I don't care. Go to therapy. Whether you just, you know, go there to just vent about random little things in your job, in your life friendships relationships whatever even if it's just a venting spot everyone needs therapy and i guarantee even if you think your life was perfect you're gonna go to therapy and you're gonna be like oh wait hold on hold on this is actually something that's really heavy on my mind that i've shoved down forever and always and things are gonna come up and you're going to learn so much about yourself and you are going to be able to understand yourself on such a deep level that's going to allow you to heal from things that you didn't even know were impacting you and defining you as a person. And therapy will bring no harm. It may stir up emotions and it may be really challenging mentally, but it's not going to bring anything bad. It is not going to end in a breakup. It's not going to end in a fight. It's not going to end with any, like it's, it's, it's the safe space and there's nothing else in the world. No other relationship in the world besides one between you and your therapist as safe and as stable. And I just think every single person can benefit from therapy, whether it just be for stress management or whether it be for healing really deep traumas or maybe you just like to vent, maybe you like to just yabber on and you just want someone to listen, whatever it is, everyone benefits from therapy and the it's just it's the best thing you can do for yourself and even taking the initiative to have a therapist and to show up to therapy, you are doing something so beautiful for yourself that a lot of people can't say they are doing for themselves. And so, yeah, you should go to fucking therapy. 
I'm going to end off on this one because I have been a talking machine today. But this one is constantly feeling pressure everywhere because of the belief that life ends at 30. Sad. I feel you. I feel like there is this huge narrative online, especially about the tw- like your 20s are your best of your best and you got to figure life out and you're going to make your money and you're the hottest you've ever been and you know you have so much freedom and you're going to be dating and you're going to be partying and you're going to be starting and thriving in your career and you're going to be being comfortable in your own skin and your skin's going to clear up and all this stuff and it's just like this narrative that your 20s are just perfect and they are the best of the best and it's all downhill from here and you hear that everywhere right um but I remember when I was a teenager looking at people like in their high 20s like 25 and up and being like oh they're so old like they're so not cool anymore like they don't get it they don't know the slang they don't know the style like they don't know the good music they just don't like they're not even cool like they're weird and I was like you know can't get better than a teenager like we get to do anything we want we just we don't have any responsibility yet and whatever and like yeah true as a you know teenager you don't have many responsibilities or like anything like that um and it's pretty awesome being a teenager you get to be young you get to be stupid and you like you'll never be that young again right but now that i'm almost 25 i turned 25 this year now i'm like why did i not want to be 25 like i have a career established i feel like i've come to find my personal style i feel like i've grown into my body and my face like i feel like i have the body of a woman and i have so many life experiences my friendships are so much more genuine and real than they ever were when I was a teenager. I think I'm pretty freaking cool. Um, I get to travel. Like I have control over what I want to do in terms of like how I want to eat, what I want my sleep routine to be, what I want to do for my workouts, if I want to work out. I have so much power over my life that okay yeah I have more responsibilities and I have bills to pay and I have you know a career and obligations and whatever but I have so much more control over my life than I did at 16 17 um and I think when you look at it like that you can think to your 30s like well when I'm in my 30s I have even more life experience and I've been in my career even longer. And I've had even more years to find myself and find my passion and my purpose. And I feel like, you know, you look at people in their 30s and their 40s and up. And a lot of times the friendships they've had, they've had for years and years and years. And so you can really look to your 30s being like, I'm sure that whatever friendships I still have from now that I have then or any new friendships I've made in between now and then 
are probably the, the best, deepest, most genuine friendships that I've ever had in my entire life. And at 30, you're still so young. You are just fully grown. And I think that there's also such a narrative that like growing old is like a negative thing. And I get it because I'm terrified of growing old. I don't want to grow old. I don't want to see, I don't want to look in the mirror one day and see myself as old. I don't, I don't want to see it. And I think that's because, I mean, I'll admit it. Like it feels like getting older means getting weaker and maybe health wise and physical wise, maybe for a lot of people, that's the truth, but that is life. We are supposed to age and we're supposed to keep growing up. And I think also like you can't look at your 30s and be like, well, I'm not going to be able to like have this same life that I do now. And you can't look at that as a bad thing because like at least me personally, I wouldn't want the life that my 16 year old self had. Would I want to go back there for like a day and like relive it? Yeah, that'd be awesome for like nostalgia. But I much prefer my life now, you know, and then I think like, well, then I, I've had so much trauma since I was a teenager and like that sucks. And like, I can't look at life again with the trend of like, I'm no longer ignorant. And like, that's why I'd want to go back to teenage years before I knew what, you know, anything real was sure. I'd love to go back there, but like, it's a beautiful thing to know what it feels like to be heartbroken, what it feels like to be scared genuinely, or what it feels like to lose your health. Like those are all things that life has brought me. And honestly, at some point in everyone's life, like it's gonna, like you're gonna have those things too and grief and losing friendships and losing career, losing yourself or whatever. Like that's all things that all of us are gonna experience at some point. Um, And it's okay that like you aren't going to be living the same life at 30 as you are at 20 something. I, at 16, my whole life was dance. I went to high school. I went to track during track seasons. I went to dance every night, come home, eat dinner, do my homework, sleep, do it all again every day. That was my whole life. On weekends, I'd see friends once in a while. We'd hang out, you know, we'd just scroll on social media. We'd take pictures. We'd make video star videos, like we'd go shopping, whatever. And I still have some of those interests now. I love taking pictures. I love making videos. I love shopping. I love hanging out with my friends. I love dance, but my life is different now. I have different interests. I love walking. I love pickleball. I love uh, writing in my journal. I love writing podcasts. I love cooking. And I think maybe probably I won't have all those interests in my 30s. I love to exercise. I love to work out. Maybe in my 30s, I won't be as interested in that. Maybe I won't be as, you know, worried about the aesthetics of things and fashion. And maybe I'll be more into gardening or more into puzzles or more into long lunches with friends, whatever it is. Like, Maybe my interests will change, but that's not a bad thing. And aging isn't a bad thing. And just because you aren't sure what your 30s will bring, or just because your 30s is older than your 20s, it's not a bad thing. And 
I mean, it's not really a good thing either. Like it's just neutral. It just is. That's just life. And your life most definitely doesn't end at 30. I think 30 is just a new, it's a new decade and it's a new stage of life. A lot of us will be getting married or will be married. A lot of us will be having kids or will have had kids. And we get to experience this beautiful new stage of life. And if that is what you don't want, if you're like, I don't want marriage, I don't want kids, you never have to. You also don't have to in your 30s. If you're someone that wants to continue to spend your 30s finding yourself and on your own and whatever, you're totally allowed to. You can do that for the rest of your life. If you think you won't be ready to start dating for marriage until you're 45, then don't. You know, obviously things come along with that, biological clocks, everything like that. But if that's not important to you, if having your own children, like birthing your own children isn't important to you, then by all means, like you can wait as long as you want to get married and start a family. There's so many ways nowadays to start families and there's so many different definitions of family and Life most definitely does not end at 30. Obviously, I'm not 30 yet, so I can't say that for sure. But I personally don't believe that we should be looking at our 30s or looking at growing old as something to fear or to not want or to feel negative towards. But I get it. Like, I'm right there with you. But I feel like that's our flaw and that's something we need to shift our mindset on and realize like growing old is a privilege and reaching your 30s is a privilege that not everyone gets and being able to live a life up to 30 and beyond is a really really beautiful thing that we all should want to experience. I feel like I went really in depth on those more in depth than I thought I would. So I'm very happy with how this advice session, I guess it wasn't an advice session, I guess kind of, but I'm happy with how this episode turned out. So if you guys want uh, maybe a part two of this, that could be fun. Let me know in the comments or in my DMs or whatever, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I feel like I needed this episode. Um, so hopefully you guys feel better after listening to this. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, thanks so much for watching today's podcast. I love you all so very much and I will see you so super soon and talk to you so super soon in the next episode. Bye.